back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of scripture and theology. And here at the Daily Devotion, we are still on our snow schedule, so this episode again is getting published a little bit later than normal. Hopefully things will be getting back to normal and I'll get back on track of recording things a day in advance and things can publish bright and early for all of you early birds who get up before the sun and listen to things. But we're still on the snow schedule right now, so I apologize for that. There's also a fun giveaway going on at the Daily Devotion. InterVarsity Press provided a copy of New Bible Commentary, which is, in my opinion, the best single-volume commentary on the entire Bible. If you're interested in getting involved in that giveaway, you can go to our Facebook page and you can share the link that is there. You click on it, and it'll give you the option to enter your email address or to share the link, and that enters you automatically for the giveaway. And the winner will be announced on our 100th episode. That's why we're doing this. It's just a, a celebration of making it that far. And uh, I wanted to, to do something to thank all of y'all for listening and, and being involved in this. So if you're interested in that, get on there, share that, get involved, and, and maybe you'll win this incredible resource from InterVarsity Press. We've been working our way over the last few episodes through the book of Jonah, and we're up to the end of Jonah chapter 2, Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. And you know the story if you've been listening, if you're just tuning in, I'll recap it real quick, though Jonah is a very popular book, it's a very popular story, it's been made into motion pictures, and it's used all the time in pop culture. There was this guy, God told him to go preach, he didn't want to go because he didn't want God to be merciful to the people that he was sent to, so he tried to run away. And a big storm came. The sailors threw him into the ocean. God provided a fish. The fish kept Jonah in its gut for three days and then vomited him out onto the sea where God again calls him to go preach to the Ninevites. And we're looking at that last verse in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 10 says this. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. And I want us to think about something very particular today. Father, we thank you for your word, and as we think about the miraculous and your work in this world, we ask that you would strengthen us, that we would learn more and more to trust you, to come to you in faith through Christ with the help of the Spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So th there's not a lot, I mean, you know, this verse is pretty straightforward. The Lord spoke to the fish, it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Pretty straightforward in some ways, as far as understanding what those words mean, it's very straightforward. God acted in nature, and this fish in which Jonah had been living for three days and three nights spit Jonah out up on the land so that God could recall him, as we're going to see in chapter 3. So from that angle, this is very straightforward. However, and, and this is a question that has been asked countless times about the book of Jonah, and we've addressed it a little bit, but I want to address it a little more systematically and, and kind of with a little more focus this morning. What do we do with the miraculous? We, we look at this, and it's obvious. This is an incredible story. This is not your average, hey, you know, Jonah went here and preached and they repented kind of story. We've got a fish swallowing a guy, the guy living in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights, and then the fish swimming to shore at the command of God and regurgitating Jonah up onto the shore so that he can then, alive and well, go do what God had called him to do in the first place. 
And so the question is, did, did this really happen like it's presented? And, and this speaks to a bigger question about how we deal with the miraculous in Scripture. And the reason that this is an important question for us is because in, uh, in, in our interactions with people, this becomes very quickly a question that speaks to the historicity of Scripture. D did these things really happen? And here's why that's an important question. Paul tells us in Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15, that if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, then none of this matters then the gospel isn't true. See, we, we have to understand that as Christians, what we're claiming when we preach the gospel, what we're claiming when we talk about God is not just that this is a helpful story, not just that this is a, a kind of helpful system within which we can process life. That's not what we're claiming. Now, at least that's not all that we're claiming. It is helpful. It is a helpful system within which we can accurately process life. But the claim of Scripture and therefore of Christians and of the church is actually a more precise claim than that. We're claiming that these things happened, that Jesus really was the Son of God, that he really lived sinlessly, that he really died, that he really rose again. And that in his ministry, he really did the things that he did. So even if we just limit our discussion of Christianity to Jesus, we still have to deal with the miraculous. So when we broaden it out to discussions like the book of Jonah and we see the miraculous, we still have to deal with these questions. Did this stuff really happen? Now, there's two basic ways that you can go. Either miracles can happen or they can't happen. If they can happen, then in, in some ways it's easy enough to say, well, miracles can happen. I don't see why this miracle shouldn't have happened. So cool. Jonah got swallowed by a fish. He was there three days and three nights, spit him back out. But if they can't happen, then all of a sudden Jonah is problematic and we've got to figure out something that we can do. So here's a question we need to deal with. What exactly do we mean by miracle? When we talk about miracles, we're not talking about God working in the world when he normally doesn't. We're not deists. God is always at work in the world. The Bible talks about him being the one that provides food for the animals. It, it, we talk about this, and Reformed theology is the doctrine of God's providence, that he providentially is caring for, is ruling and overruling and, and bringing things along in the world for his purposes. And typically... He works according to kind of identifiable patterns that, that we're prone to talk about as natural laws. This is the way things happen, this kind of whole cause-effect relationship. When we say natural law, though, what we don't mean is that things happening apart from God. If that's what we mean by natural law, then we're already starting off on the wrong foot. Because nothing happens apart from God's will. Nothing happens apart from his providential rule, his providence, his providential care for his creation. So a better way of thinking about miracles, rather than thinking about, oh, God intervened here, 
and broke natural laws, or he intervened here and when he doesn't normally. A better way to think about it, and Wayne Grudem talks about it this way, as he says it's a less common way of God working in the world. The Center for uh, or the, the Center for Apologetics and Research Ministry, CARM, I've gone blank on what the acronym means, but they talk about it this way, an out-of-the-ordinary direct and divine intervention in the world. So in both of these definitions that are both helpful, it's not that God is working when he normally doesn't or that he is stepping in to violate some rules that exist outside of him. It's that he is continuing to work as he always does, but he's working in the world in a way that he normally doesn't. It's out of the ordinary. It's less common to use Grudem's language. So that's what we mean when we talk about miracles. So in common you know, parlance, people talk about the miracle of childbirth. Well, that's not a miracle. It's incredible, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but that's the common way of things happening. So when we talk about miracles, we need to have some precision in this, and that right there helps clear up a lot of the questions and a lot of the struggle that we deal with. So when we look at Jonah, is this miraculous? Well, yes, this would be a less common way of God working in the world. He doesn't commonly cause fish to swallow men for three days and then spit them out. In fact, this is the only story we have like that in the Bible. But do we then have to accept Jonah as historically happening? Well, this is an important question that gets to the heart of how we think about things. Some people want to make Jonah and believing the historicity of Jonah a test case for orthodoxy. And so should we see it that way? And the answer there is, well, yes and no. If we, we, see, uh, we see miracles as so problematic that, that we just say, no, they don't happen, then this can be, become a, a test case for orthodoxy. If it's a denial of God working as he wills, if that's the reason, if, if, we're, if we're not willing to say God could do that, then, then this does maybe become a test case for orthodoxy because then we're having to say, well, God also couldn't raise the dead. God also couldn't heal people. God also couldn't do all these other things that we see happening. So if our problem is with Jonah that some natural law was broken, Therefore, this can't be historical. Well, that's a problem, not just because of our view of Jonah, but because of our view of God, more broadly speaking. But there are some who argue, who, who would wholly affirm miracles, who would wholly affirm God working in the world, who would wholly affirm the resurrection of Christ and, and all of these other things. But from a textual standpoint, they look at the book of Jonah and say, this has all of the hallmarks of a parable. And that's why I don't view it as historical, they would say. Because it's, it has nothing to do with, can God do this, or could God have done this, but everything with what type of literature is this. So it's not necessarily a test case for orthodoxy. I happen to think that, yes, I have no problem. I recognize that there are some parabolic signs here, but there's also a lot of signs about how this story was told that push us towards it being a historical story. So when we, when we look at this 
and whether Jonah happened and, and whether it happened like it's recorded, and, and we start to, to, to process, could this happen? There, there's really, at the end of the day, not a reason, unless we're just going to say, no, God doesn't do stuff like that. Miracles aren't real. There's not really a reason to think that this didn't happen. And, and so when we talk about the, the miracles and, and historicity of the Bible, that really only becomes an issue if you start with the premise that miracles don't happen, that they can't happen. So if you recognize right up front, no, God is the sovereign and he can work and does work in this world according to his will. And normally that is in very common predictable ways, but at times for his purposes and for his glory, he works in less common ways. If that's where you start, then, well, there's not a problem with Jonah being historic because it fits within our theology. It fits within our understanding of who God is. And it is something that is received by faith. It is something that we look at and say, God, you have done this incredible thing for these purposes. Help me to, to see, to hear, to believe according to the faith that you give me that I may trust your word. So when we look at this and here Jonah gets spit out onto the shore, we don't immediately have to run to, well, wait a minute, this couldn't happen, so now what do we do with this? Our, our theology teaches us that this could happen, that that's the kind of God that we serve. But it also teaches us that this isn't accepted because we can figure it out and explain it, but it's accepted by faith. And so that's how we have to come to this story. That doesn't mean that we deny our rationality or, or put our reason on the shelf. But we come recognizing that God is beyond, he's free from our presuppositions about life. We've been talking about this in the third chapter of the Westminster Confession. That he works freely. And if that's the case, then Really, there's not a problem with looking at the story of Jonah and recognizing something incredible has happened here, that God has intervened and has worked in a less common way to bring about his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So when we deal with miracles, that's, that's the posture we come with, a posture of faith, a posture of trusting God and letting him be God. Might we learn to do that together. Amen. Thank you.